Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're all, you're all well. And uh, I joined the 5 Club since I've been up here last time. I was... Fi- <laughs> Yes, uh, June the 3rd, I, became the, uh, I attained to the age of 50, and Eileen, my goodly wife, she took me to, well, she, she took me to Rome, you know, so I saw the Pope, you know, I actually did. Uh, we were there just as he was doing audience, he wasn't seeing us personally, of course, there were about two, 3,000 people, but there he was, the Holy Father, sitting on the chair, reading his notes with his glasses, and he was on these big screens, bigger than Starskin Hutch. <laughs> So we had a great time. Now, before I get into the message, I need to just, as it were, do a plug for the Restore course. Oh, by the way, uh, Andrew and Chrissy, they bought me a shirt. And it's a nice shirt. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it feels mm, smooth and nice. So thank you very much. I thought I'd save that for preaching. <laughs> just a, a, a plug for Restore. Now you're thinking, well, what's this course about? Well, we did the first Restore course I think, oh, must be, was it last year? October time. And uh, I, I would about, I think, must have been 20 others. We went on this course. Now, you said, well, what's Restore about? It, it, it comprises 10 sessions dealing with our relationships with our parents. Now, I went on the course, and I'd already was challenged before I went. Because I found that there was, when I was under pressure, when things weren't going well, I would seek comfort in the wrong areas. And I was sharing it with Chris, and Chris challenged me, jerk the chain. He says, then, if you do that, I'm going to speak to you again, and things will happen. I said, okay, that's good. But the thing I was concerned about was, I wasn't afraid of that. It's good to have some accountability. But I wanted to know why. Why did I want to go and look at erotic rubbish? Why did I want to do that, even though I love Jesus? So I went along to see Linda Hall, and she said, look, then. I said, maybe I need an SMT. That's what I'm looking for, small ministry team. That's what it stands for. And she said, no, we're doing this course called Restore, 10-week program. I said, I'm up for that. So I went on the program, and I tell you, it, it was a journey. Because we began to look at some of my relationships with my mom and my dad and my siblings. And God began to speak to me about the various wounds that were there and the various reasons I behaved in the way that I did. And it was a journey. And I said, about we were you have a group for the men and a group for the ladies, etc. And I was with three other guys. And week by week, God just came and met us and touched us. And he gave us a strategy to deal with, with issues when we get hits, when we get setbacks. When you get a setback, when you get a hit, you will go somewhere for comfort. And what I learned from this course is that you come to the Father for comfort. Now, I've read through the course now... It's twice now I think I've been through the course personally. And it's helped me to develop strategies so that when people come after me or when I get a hit, I know where to go. And particularly men, we need this type of stuff because it helps us to deal with our stuff. You know, our wives, that's fine. They're, they're happy to kind of let the emotional stuff come up. But we as men, we tend to let it go. We push it down. And this is a course where we can address, address those issues so that we can be more effective as men, as fathers, to our children, as obviously to our wives, and as people. I think one of the things that's been beneficial to me is I'm comfortable in my own skin. Because I know that the Father loves me for who I am, Dennis Hilton. Not because I'm a preacher and a teacher and all those other things, those roles that I play. And that gives me a great deal of comfort that even before I've done the preach, he's proud of me and he's pleased with me and he loves me. Yeah, man? 
And the Restore course can help you to deal with some of those issues. So I would highly commend that to you. Uh, the dates, oh, uh, it's 10 weeks, starts on Wednesday the 16th of September. There is a fee of £60. But what I would suggest is that you apply. Closing date for applications, oh, already gone actually. But try anyway. <laughs> try, yeah, it, says, it says, you know, May, Monday the 29th of June. Wait! There's more people to come. And I particularly encourage the men to go along. It will be a life-changing experience for you. Oh, yeah, one more week. Sorry, 29th. I'm running too fast. (laughs) Great. Okay, now it's time to get into this morning's message. Now, we've been so blessed because we've been doing this series on the Holy Spirit. Last week, uh, Chris talked to us about the Holy Spirit in terms of helping us tell our story. I, how we can be witnesses. Now, it's nine weeks. I'm not going to give you a full review of this. Obviously, you will have to get the podcast. But you remember, Rick talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And then we had Richard, who did an excellent job in talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how God drops them into our hearts so we can get the work of the kingdom done. We've looked at how adoption, how the Holy Spirit comes and makes us members of his family and makes it a reality. So it's not just an intellectual appreciation that I am a a son of God, but you know, because his love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you want to get the rest of the message, I suggest that you log on to advertisement, thevineyardchurch.co.uk to pick up the podcast. And you can get them there and you can put them onto your sound system and you can hear us live, but without, you know, without the, the people. But it, it's great. I listen to it regularly. And if, if I miss Chris's messages, I'll go back and I listen to them. It was a great job you did last week. I really enjoyed that message. Now then, today's message, we're going to consider the work of the Holy Spirit in the, area, in, in the area of prayer, and particularly in the area of intercession. Now, when I use the word intercession, that will have different connotations for all of you. Paul, a follower of Jesus, who wrote 12 of the books of the New Testament, in fact, of there's 27 books, and he read almost half of them. He says in Romans 8, 26, this. He said this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I'll smile here because my mind goes back to a wonderful Bible teacher from what was Rhodesia, which is now called Zimbabwe, Dennis Clark. And we would get together with intercessors. And those of us who are charismatic, when we're praying, you know, it'd be, hmm, hmm, yes, hmm, hmm. And he used to say, remember, brothers, that the Spirit intercedes with words, with groanings too deep for words. So keep the groaning down, guys. <laughs> I always used to, thought that was funny. I know, like most of you, that, you know, prayer is difficult. You know, if we're going to have a prayer meeting at 7 o'clock here, I can guarantee we're not going to have the congregation this size. And, you know, and it's a growing church. Because we've done it, haven't we, Chris? We've had early morning prayer meetings. And if you did it in proportion to the size of the church, it's only a small group of people turn out. Why? Is it because they're lazy? No. I'm being generous, of course. It's because of the... (laughs) It's because most of us find it difficult. You know, to get out of the bed to pray. 
And I always remember being beaten by someone by saying, you know, you get up to pray for one hour and you fall asleep and, you know, and I hear the voice saying, could you not watch with me for one hour? <laughs> you know? But it's just an issue. It's an issue, isn't it, for us, prayer. And then when you talk about intercession, ooh, what's that all about? It's just enough for me to say, you know, say, Lord, you're worthy. Lord, bless the kids today. Give us a daily bread and I'm out of here. This intercession business, what is this all about? Well, we're going to look at it a little bit more closely. One of the beautiful things is here that Paul says that when we don't know what to pray, which does not mean that we're falling asleep while we're in the process of prayer, but when sometimes life hits you in the face. You know, you're going to work, as I go to work, then you find some person that doesn't like you, but they haven't got the courage to speak to you face to face, has sent some email up to the principal, and your boss says, look at that. And you're thinking... Well, where did that come from? And it kind of it kind of gets on you. Just you see, when you it's like if you're in a fight and you know that the punch is coming, you can brace yourself for it. But when you get when you're not prepared for the punch, that's when that's when you're winded, yeah. And when you get winded, when something gets you, and you come to the place of prayer, and you're just heavy. Now, has anybody felt like that? Oh, honest people, God bless you. Yeah, And you just don't know what to pray. You know you should pray some mighty prayer of faith. And all you want to do is cry. Why me, Lord? What have I done to deserve this? I'm a good person. Why do these people like me? I want to bless them with a brick. (laughs) (laughs) You know know it's wrong, but that's how you feel. You 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 just want to batter the life out of them. But you know that's not right. Now, for those of you who had that experience, I'm sure you will at some point. <laughs> you, know, you know, even if it's not your children. <laughs> How the Holy Spirit intercedes for us at those times with groans that words cannot express. Jesus is also involved in this ministry. So not only is the Holy Spirit there, but Jesus is praying for us. Oh, that's so good to know. That Jesus is up there, and because he is of like passions of ourselves, when he prays for us, the Father hears him, because he knows what we're going through. Isn't that good to know? So, let's just look this morning at three things I want to just draw your attention that we will consider. First, what is intercession? Because I've raised the question. Second point is examples of intercession. And then how we can get involved. So let's get straight to it. So what is intercession? Well, let's just consider four different types of prayer. First, there's what we call personal petitions. Asking for circumstances to change in your life. You know, my daughter at the moment, Rachel, she's qualified as a teacher, but she's looking for a job. So Eileen keeps saying to me, pray good prayers then. She needs a job. I said, okay, 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 okay. (laughs) You know, she's got an interview tomorrow, so pray for her. But the thing is that you're petitioning for the circumstances to change, to move from not having a job to having a job. And that's quite in order. Then there's what we call personal devotion, asking for spiritual growth and communion with God. Lord, I want to know you more. As Craig Grishel prays, he prays, he says, he says, stretch me, he says, wreck me and heal me. It's the three things he prays. In other words, when he's saying about wreck me, he's let me feel what's going on in society, stretch me. And heal me. That's a devotional prayer. And then we've got worship. Declarations of adoration and thanksgiving to God. That you 
God are worthy. There's no one like you, Lord. That's what we were saying this morning. There's no one like you, Lord. You are great. You are worthy. You're my dad, and I love you. There's no one like you. Worship, very important part of our prayer life. And then intercessory prayer. Here it is. Asking God to release his blessing to touch others. Yeah? So you're not praying for yourself. You're now interceding, stepping into the gap for someone else and praying that God's blessing will come into their lives. And that's what we're going to look at in a little bit more detail. So, intercession is the means of releasing his sovereignty and ordained blessing into a local area and into the individual lives of people, i.e. individuals or a city or a church. Through corporate intercessory prayer, we put ourselves and others in the line of God's blessing. Now, this comes from dealing with spiritual dynamics, uh, which I think we'll be doing in November. I'm not going to go into it in that detail, but you can come then, advertisement, <laughs> to get the full, the full wax, as it were. So, what's the key point here? When we engage in intercession on behalf of others, we are what? Working together with God to bring in his kingdom. That is, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Examples. Let's have some examples of intercession. I'm going to take you to the scriptures. And I have to contain myself here because when I go down to these scriptures now, even when I was preparing it, I'm thinking, don't preach every point. Because if you do that, pastor's going to get you. <laughs> right. So... Let's go down to uh, 2 Kings 19, 15 to 19, Hezekiah. And here's the situation. Here's the scenario before we get into it. Israel and Judah have divided, 931 BC. Just quick. Then what happens now, the 10 tribes, they don't, under Jeroboam, they don't want them to go up to, to Jerusalem because if they go up to Jerusalem, they might get it together with Rehoboam. So they, said, so they set up a worship center in Samaria and they're into calf worship. Right? Not good. Anyway, God gets fed up with them and he sends the Assyrians and takes them off into captivity. 722 BC, bye-bye, gone. Now, Sincerep and Rashaba, I think that's the name of the guy, they come up now to Jerusalem and they're like striding up there now. And they get outside of Jerusalem and this is what happens now. And Hezekiah prays and what happens, he says to Hezekiah, look man, you might just give up. Don't you know what, what we Assyrians have done to all the other gods? We've wiped them out. What's your God anyway? Why don't you just give up? Stop. And then he, he goes, he passes Hezekiah and says, Look, people of Israel, people of Judah, don't listen to Hezekiah. You're going to get licks today if you do that. Why don't you just give up and come with me? I'm making it contemporary so you stay with me. <laughs> right? And Hezekiah. Because all the people are quaking. They're thinking, yes, it's true. The Assyrians, they have kind of licked. They have beaten and dealt with everybody. All the gods of all those different nations have disappeared. Why shouldn't we just give in? So they're depressed. And in fact, Hezekiah says, don't speak to them in our language. Speak in another. But he doesn't persist. He actually lets make sure they get the point. Anyway, here we come now. This is Hezekiah's response. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Oh, Lord. God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your, your eyes, O Lord, and see. 
listened to the words of Sennacherib and has set, sent to insult the living God. It's true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste through these nations and their lands. They've thrown their gods in the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only the works of stone, wood and stone, fashioned by men's hand. Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hands, so that all the kings of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord our God. Oh, great prayer. Now, here's the point. Most of us faced in the same situation where our nation is affected, will be affected politically, economically, spiritually, technically, and legally by being taken over by another country, we may have prayed differently. But this is how Hezekiah prayed. Hezekiah declares that God is sovereign over all the affairs of men. He starts with the fact that, God, you're enthroned above the cherubim. What he's saying is, look, this... Whoever you may be, let me just remind you who's running things. And we need to remind ourselves who's running things. The economy is not being run by Mr. Obama, great man that he is, or Mr. Brown, good man that he is. Some of you may debate that, but that's not the issue. It's not being run by the G7 countries. It's God who sits on the throne, enthroned above the cherubim. He rules in the affairs of men. So intercession always starts with God's sovereignty. It always starts with us getting what we, I would call a biblical perspective of who rules the world. Secondly, on the basis of who God is, he pleads for him to intervene. He says, Lord, I'm just reminded of what Moses did the same thing. He said, Lord... If you kill the Israelites in the desert, then the Egyptians will hear of it. And what will they say? That you brought them out to kill them? You see, Hezekiah did the same thing. He said, look, you are God over the earth. We appeal to you on the basis of who you are, that you are in control. The reason why God should intervene, and here it is, so that all the kings of the earth may know that you alone, O oh Lord, are God. That mission hasn't changed. Christopher J. H. Wright, who was the former principal of Christ for the Nations Institute, he's written a book that Chris gave to me called The Mission of God. He put it like this. Whatever might be said about other gods, the Lord alone is the God. The Lord stands in a class of his own. And there is none like him. There is no other like him in the cosmos. It's good, isn't it? And you know, the church has the mission to make Christ's name known. That all the ends of the earth may know that God is Lord through his church. Let's go down to Acts 21:31. Another example of the church and intercession. This one is a more common. This one I like. It's a situation now that the Holy Spirit has been released in tremendous power on the church. Signs and wonders are taking place in the name of Jesus. And the local authorities, the Pharisees, are rather upset. As is always the case, the religious community don't like things to change. They want it to stay the way it has always been forever and amen. Anyway... 
the Sanhedrin draw them in and start to threaten them and say, if you do this, that, and that, the other, we will beat you, etc., etc. Now, on their release, this is how Peter and John went back to them, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to come in. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God. Sovereign Lord. Look at that. Where did they start? They didn't say, Peter, they beat us. They're threatening us. They didn't go there. They didn't go, oh, the world is such a terrible place, you know. We have to pray for our young people that the enemy doesn't take them, that they don't fall into sin. Now, what's been said is true, but it's the wrong perspective. It's a kind of like, come out of the world, let us protect ourselves. No, sovereign Lord is where they start. They don't start with this kind of, oh, let us protect ourselves. No, 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 no. Sovereign Lord, they said. You made the heavens and the earth. There's that creation motif. It's your world, God. You made it. And they're seeing everything in it. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David, your servant. This is Psalm 2. Why do the nations uh, now should rage and the people shall plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand against the rules, against together, and against the Lord. And all that and against is anointed one. All that's about is the fact that you see all these political, economic groups of people plotting against the church. Secularism, in the Enlightenment, we cannot believe anything unless we can prove it empirically by study and scientific research. Yeah, I was reading that book, James, it's good stuff, man. You want to get that serious times, good book. So they basically trying to marginalize the church, secularize the church. But you see, God's not sitting there biting his fingers, thinking, oh my word, oh dear. I didn't really realize that was going to happen. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, they're making threats against my people. Hmm, I wonder. No, that's not happening. Look here. It says, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, he's getting back into it, met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against the, your holy servant Jesus. Like, and what he's saying here is that it's not like God didn't know what was going on. He was taken by surprise by what Pontius Pilate and the Sanhedrin were going to do. It was all in the plan. He was there all the time. Lord, consider their threats and hear it now. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miracles and signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. In other words, turn up. Well, I'm going to say turn up the base. No, but <laughs> turn up the power. In other words, let's not just shrink back and back off. No, let's turn up the power. Let's see more demonstrations of God's power. Let's go out there. Let's not back off. And of course it says here, and when they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. The, in other words, the prayer resonated with God so much that he sent a physical sign back. And it says they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word with boldness. They just stayed on track and kept on doing what God had called them to do. Now, here's the important thing. Corporate intercession, which focuses on God's creative power and control over the affairs of men. There'll be times when, as a church, we come together to pray about specific things, specific issues. And when we pray and we start with God is sovereign. He rules in the heavens and the earth. He controls the affairs of men and women. We're here to see his kingdom come and let his will be done. We're here to undo the works of darkness. And Lord, we're having some obstructions here. God has to move. 
Thank you. So, requests, boldness, that signs of wonders make place, which is what happened. And that is God's rule and authority to be made known on the earth as it is in heaven. That's what it's about. And that's what they prayed. And as I said, the result was that the place was shaken. And so were they. Shaken and stirred, but not like a modka vartini or whatever. Now then, so these are biblical examples. Now let's think about some examples that have happened here at the vineyard. And, and one of those, when it was the vineyard center change of use, and I think Chris uh, and some of the team were here, we, we bought this warehouse, which was a, a garage effectively, wasn't it? We needed to have change of use. If I believe, if I'm right, it was not going to be easy. In fact, it would seem that the local council, at first, were not particularly disposed toward us. In fact, there were some people that were somewhat antagonistic toward us. But we got together and we we prayed and we interceded and we asked for God to give us favor. And not only us, but another church, another church, I think New Zion down in Wellingard, they prayed all night. Anyway, the day came when we went along to to the, to the, the, the local council meeting and a group, a throng, went and we were there and people were praying and it went through and everyone was like yes <laughs> I was going to get Chris up here but he wants to relax down there but the point is that God broke through for us we interceded we knew we needed this building so that we could do the work of the kingdom and we could, we could reach out into this community God knew that so hearts were changed people moved their hearts and we had a, I think it was unanimous was it not unanimous Unanimous decision. And now you are sitting in the building. Intercessory prayer. Is Andy Buchanan about? Where are you, Andy? Where is he? Come. I wanted to tell you. <laughs> that was good. It was good. Come. <laughs> One prayer. Okay, if you just pick that mic up, yeah? Another example. Individual lives. Charlotte Barnes. Now, how remember Charlotte Barnes? Hey, yeah, some of you go. Well, Andy, Andrew was involved in the intercessor team, and I want you to just tell us a little bit about that. So, Andy, how long were you praying for? Uh, well, tell us the situation with Charlotte at first. Um, so, she was uh, uh, six months old. Sorry, you have to switch it on. It's on. It's on. It's on. Hello. Eh? Hello? You, sir. Yes, yeah, on now, baby. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. So, um, anyway, Charlotte Barnes was six months old. Um, she, uh, one day, someone noticed uh, that there was a lump behind her ear. Cut a very long story short, it turned out to be a brain tumour, which was actually uh, coming through the side of her head. Um, so it was pretty nasty, pretty yucky. Um, so a number of people decided that they would get together to start praying. Um, and it wasn't necessarily, some people knew them, some people didn't at that time. Uh, quite a few of us didn't really know, knew them by name, but didn't know them as a family. Uh, so we started praying probably within about a week of her being taken to Great Ormond Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... We were praying for many weeks, and she ended up being in there for about 60 days uh, straight off. And at one point was told, okay, go, go home and enjoy 
those last few weeks with, with your child. They'd tried everything, they'd tried all new drugs, really everything they could think of they had tried. Um, but the, the tumour kept growing and growing and growing and it was in a part of the brain they couldn't operate because they couldn't distinguish between the brain and, and the tumour. So what was interesting, I assume this is what you're looking for, is we started praying uh, for... Her, and we started, um, I'd say, pretty much as you probably would, concentrating on the issue in hand. Um, so it's fair to say that we uh, spend a lot of time praying about the tumour. Um, and when you look at the four lots of prayers uh, Dennis put up there, one of the ones we probably didn't do much of at all was number three, which was the thanksgiving and declaring God for being God. And when somebody in the group, it was a pretty bleak uh, week, one of the group would bring back the list of all the problems that were going on from the hospital, and we'd put them sort of on the side of a chair, and there'd be this whole list. And normally we would have prayed into that whole list, probably one by one. This person said actually they felt God was telling us to, to thank God. And actually, it, sounded, it was actually quite offensive at the time because, you know, it was like, how on earth can we be thanking God mm. when there's this seven-month-old baby about to die of a brain tumour? You know, it, it, bizarrely, it, it just seemed wrong. Mm. It seemed out, downright wrong to be thanking God at that point. But the person felt it very strongly. And so we started thanking. And it, it was, it, looking back, it was just dreadfully amusing because we're sitting there going yeah thank you that the grass is green (laughs) and for that bird flying up there and and literally that was how we're praying and it seemed so false so wrong and then suddenly one of them um prayed and we thank you that she's still alive yep and suddenly it was like, wow, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Thank you that mm-hmm. the parents are still together. You know, yeah. This hasn't pulled them apart. Well, thank you that she is being looked after well. And suddenly the floodgates opened. Yes. And suddenly we are just going for it. And suddenly there's an excitement, there's a power, and we're thanking and thanking. And suddenly by the end of the evening, we were praying very specific things. But interestingly, we noticed when everyone had gone home, we hadn't prayed about any of the points on the piece of paper. Because what we'd learned, I'll throw another scripture in for you, sorry. Psalm 100, it talks about in the message, enter into his presence with the password, thank you. And that was what we'd discovered, that when you enter into his presence with the password, thank you, suddenly you see it, as Jen was saying, suddenly you see the sovereign God's view of the world you see the bigger picture we were concentrating on one small little bit but when we got up into the sovereign god bit there was this whacking great picture and you know the tumor was that much of a massive massive landscape and so god was interested but he also had a big picture to tell us fantastic the upshot uh, was that even though she was sent home to die one day it was noticed that the tumour was calcifying, um, you know, basically going hard. And to bring it right up to date, there's loads more stuff that uh, lots of people could share. But to bring it right up to date, I think she celebrated her 10th birthday some months ago. Thank you, Andy. Bless your heart. Andy. Andy. Great job. 
God's goodness, yeah? God's might, God's power. And here's the thing, they were persistent. They didn't give up. And I like what Andy said, that when they broke through into thanksgiving and they saw the sovereign God's view of things, their perspective changed. Bless his name. So, how can we get involved? Let's get, take this home now. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, Paul says this, I urge you, first of all, that requests, prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful, peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. Here's the point. You know, we need to realize that, you know, intercession is a part of undoing the works of darkness in our city, in our nation. And to the extent to which we engage in this ministry will determine the quality of life we lead locally, nationally, and internationally. I always remember... Dennis Clark saying, so you're complaining about the politicians. And sometimes, you know, when they put the television on and they start to speak, I want to turn it off. However, the challenge comes back from that. He says, Paul says, pray for these people that you might have a quiet and peaceable life. So you haven't got a quiet and peaceable life. If we haven't got the kind of government that we deserve, whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? God gives us the mandate. To pray with authority into political, economic, and social situations. And bring his kingdom there in prayer. So, how can we get involved? Well, let's look at our personal walk. Because intercession is it's, it's a ministry, but it's dangerous. First, we personally need to live in forgiveness. We need to keep short accounts with God. We need to seek to live a life that honors God. In other words... Let's not give an enemy, enemy an opportunity to attack us because we're not living in a, in a right way. That's practical stuff. You know, the old uh, ancient, uh, Chris, uh, Christian language would say, you know, live a holy life. Well, that doesn't kind of translate very well into our culture. But live a life that's honoring to God. You know, keep short accounts. We make mistakes. Let's just get right with God and get right with each other. Now then, to our walk with prayer, prayer walk, personal walk, um, prayer life. Learn to pray about personal, political, and economic situations from God's perspective. That's what we learn. Which means, when you look at the news, you also need to look at how God sees things. See, I'm not as, you know, Chris says he's a news junkie. Well, I don't listen to the news as much as I should. But I just want to catch the headlines because some of the other stuff is being we're, we're skewed to think in a certain way. But we need to get God's perspective as we pray. Learn to pray God's sovereign blessing into a local, national situation or individual life. In other words, when we're praying, we're praying for God's best when we intercede. The thing about intercession is you, it's not about you. It's not about you. You are humbling yourself and on someone else's behalf, you're going and you're praying for God's intervention as they prayed for Charlotte Barnes. Use model prayers like Hezekiah. Hezekiah's prayers are beautiful prayer. And they're quite a number. But he starts with God's sovereignty. He says that, Lord, you owe everything. Therefore, Lord, for your namesake and for your reputation, intervene. I could have taken you to more. could have taken you down to Moses. Moses' intercession for the children of Israel when they were behaving badly. But these are models that you can use. 
Learn to be persistent in prayer. Now, we have some groups that t- focus on intercession. I think um, Andy and Kate's group tend to do that. We have some other prayer teams, etc., that you can get involved with. I think uh, Sally Ann, I think she's got a prayer group on a, a certain day. Yes, over there. We can, you can go and learn how to do this. You can do it on your own. I used to be a member of Intercessors for Britain, IFBS. And we used to commit to pray one hour a day for specific situations within our nation. I remember one that was very specific. We used to go along to what we call the um, Prayer and Bible Week at Battle in West Sussex at Ashburnham. And then we would pray for a whole week on affairs in the nation. At one time, this country was in big debt. We had to borrow money from the IMF. Uh, Dennis Healy borrowed the money. We were in big debt. And we needed the oil to come from the Brent oil field quickly. And I remember we prayed specifically that it would come online, and it did. And we were able to clear the, the, uh, the, the deficit and pay back the money to the IMF. Oh, I remember that. I was only maybe 17, 18. But I was there with these 200 people. And we saw God move things in prayer. I'm not saying that you need to get to that level. But you can start to realize that, in your, that you don't have to be a victim. You have this weapon of intercession that you can use in God's name to, to bring his kingdom into a situation. And you need to stick at it. And when we seem overwhelmed, we ought to pray. And we don't know what to pray. Because sometimes in intercession, when you come to pray about a situation, a situa- circumstance, you don't know what to pray. But we can take encouragement that when we get down and we have that like, Lord, how am I going to pray about this? Thank God the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And not only that, we also have Jesus, who's also interceding for us. You see, intercession is really none other than bringing God's kingdom into being in our time, space, world. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. I always wanted 